started here. Um, okay, so let me ask you guys a question. As you're driving along, anybody guilty of this? It, the folks that are members here know that I'm guilty of this because I just sometimes I have a lead foot. Anybody in the room got a lead foot? <laughs> couple, couple folks. Just checking. How many when you're driving along and all of a sudden you see the lights go across the bar of a police officer's car, immediately do you feel your heart race, your foot immediately leaves the gas pedal and hits the brake and you, you go downward because you hit the brake? Anyone else? When you see the lights flash up, I, I, I have that happen. And Why do we do that? Why do we do that as individuals and human beings when we see that light? What do we, what, what do we see that? Why do we see that? Because we know, man, there's a possibility that I'm going to have to pay a fine. There's going to be a ticket that I may have to pay. I'm, I'm breaking the law. We immediately feel that just, just sense of urgency. And every once in a while, I think there needs to be a sense of urgency that comes about in our hearts and our minds and our lives. Um, and, and my hope is, is that as you're here this morning, I, I want to share with you guys the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of his word. Now... For me to stand here this morning and tell you, hey, the world's a mess. Nobody in the room's going, Pastor Caleb, are you kidding? The world's a mess? I didn't know that. Anybody else realize that the world's a mess? It's a mess, right? So it's not not shocking for me to look around the room and say these kinds of things. Um, but, But I can tell you the world's looking for answers right now. Amen? The world is longing for answers, the things that are, that are pressing in on us from all sides, the things that are pushing on us from all sides, um, can start to feel like just, just absolutely hurtful, can be painful, can be distressing. Anybody in the room felt those things? I can tell you they're here. People are looking for answers, and what can tend to happen when people start looking for answers, is they can start to look in different places that don't really have genuine, lasting answers. Here's, here's one thing that I, I've heard a lot of in the last several years of my ministry and just in general in, in culture. People say, just follow your heart when it comes to that thing. Follow your heart when it comes to that relationship. Follow your heart when it comes to that decision you're going to make. Anybody ever heard those, that, that terminology? Well, let me just be the first one to say that the Bible kicks that idea out from underneath its feet and it lands straight on its backside. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can understand or who can trust it? That, That verse takes that saying and completely knocks it flat on its face. So... Following your heart is not what we're supposed to do. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that we're actually to follow Jesus. That's what we're called to do is follow Jesus. And then you'll hear the next thing. People say, well, maybe if I could just make enough money. Maybe if I could just get in the right circle of influence. Maybe if I could just get that bigger house, that better car. I just need to hustle and I need to grind. Those are terminologies that are used in today's world that I can just hustle really hard, work really hard, and get to where I need to be. And that will find, I'll find fulfillment there. Now, what I want to also say is the Bible also says that if you don't work, you don't eat. So I'm not against work. But if you put work above Christ, that that is going to be a problem. And I've said this for three years that I've been here. When a good thing replaces the best thing, that good thing becomes wicked. And so 
trying to hustle and grind and find your way into this world through finances. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, What does it benefit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? What, what does that look like? That, that's, that's a problem, amen? Th- that's a problem. You see, right this very moment, there is a war that is happening in this room. There is a war that is taking place in the hearts and the minds and the souls of every human being that's in this room this morning. And so what I need you to understand is that the enemy, Satan, has a desire to sift and take you out. Every one of us in the room, from the tallest to the shortest, to the greatest to the least, the enemy, Satan, wants to destroy you. And you see, right this very moment, your heart is being tugged on. Your spirit is being tugged on. And what I want to do this morning is very clearly, very understandably provide you with the answers of who I believe can solve all the issues of our world. There are lots of issues. There's a lot of problems in our world. But I need you to see, the the reason we have all the problems, the reason we have all the issues, the reason relationships bust up, the reason things don't work out the way they should, is because of three little letters. S-I-N. S-I-N. Romans 3.23 says that, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You say, well, Caleb, sure, everyone's sinned. But all those other people, they have sin issues. I just have problems. Anybody? Everybody else has got sin, but me personally, I've just got problems. Right? So that's that's the thing that we need to, to break out of the ideology. We have all broken God's law. Let's let's just let's take a test this morning. Okay? You didn't know you were gonna take a test at church, but hey, here we go. Ready? How many guys have ever told a lie? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. (laughs) Just checking, just making sure. How many guys have ever stolen anything? Now listen, you guys just told me you're a bunch of liars, so... Okay? How many guys have ever used God's name as a curse word? Even the pastor, yep. So by our own... Oh, let's do this. How many of you have always, when mom and dad said, hey... Go clean your room. Those that are older, grew up, and you had mom and dad. How many of you guys always honored mom and dad in everything you did? When mom said, hey, go clean your room, you're like, oh, I just couldn't wait for that, that command, mother. Yes, I'd, I'd be glad to. Anybody? Remember, y'all said you're liars. So by our own admission, liars, thieves, blasphemers, and disobedient to parents. That's just four of the Ten Commandments. You say, well, Caleb, I've never... I've never murdered anybody. Maybe not physically, but maybe you've murdered someone's character. Maybe you've been angry with somebody in a rage. Jesus said if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. Jesus also said that if you look at anyone with a lustful intent, you've committed adultery with them already in your heart. So see, this is what happens. Jesus turned everything on its head. Jesus came in and he changed everything. By changing everything, I mean he came in and he made it all about the heart. The Pharisees tried to make it look outwardly. They tried to work hard and white-knuckle it to get to to the throne room of God. Jesus said, you're never going to get there that way. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace through faith alone, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Amen? That's how we're saved. 
And so we've all broken God's law. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now we've just defined that. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So a wage is something that you earn. You go in and you clock in and you work and you make your money and they pay you in wages. What you've done is you've worked really, really hard at breaking God's law. And so the wages of that is death. That, that's the consequences of breaking God's law. That's, that's what the text says. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 says that you, were, you and I were dead in our trespasses and sin. You see, the problem in the world is not a political problem. There's not, it's not a political problem. The main problem, like I said, is sin. S-I-N. It's not a political problem. So if we could just get the right guy in the White House, I can promise you, your guy's going to mess up. If I could get the other guy out, I can promise you, if you replace him, that guy's going to mess up too. Because we're all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? Ephesians 2, 3 says that you were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But you have to finish out the next part of that verse because that, that's the bad news. The bad news is that everybody in the room is sinful and in, is deserving of God's wrath. But we have, that's the bad news. Now, what makes the good news good? It's the light that comes out, out, of, the ba- out of the backdrop from that bad news. But then, like I said, you have to finish the next part of that verse. In verse 4 of Ephesians 2, 4. But... God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Amen? You see, the gospel is the good news that Jesus came and lived a perfect life that you could not live. He died the death that you deserved and was raised three days later for your justification. So when I stand in front of God, God does not see Caleb Gordon. Or just put your name in there. God does not see. If you've been set apart and saved and redeemed, God does not see you. He sees Christ in you. And so because of that, because Christ is in me, God sees Christ in me, and therefore I'm blameless and holy. That's what, according to Ephesians chapter 1, says I'm blameless and holy. Now, I need you to see this. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, this is what happens. What happened to Jesus? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we've been healed. You see, it was my sin... That was enormous and heavy and consequential. But because of Jesus' redemptive power and the blood on his cross and his willingness to forgive and set aside my punishment, I'm free from my past and from my sin. And that could be you as well this morning. Amen? Amen? I'm just now double checking. Huh? Listen, I know, y'all, I know the time change is not officially changed up, but y'all... We got an extra hour. We didn't lose an hour. We should be able to stay awake. Amen? Amen? But here's what I'm going to tell you. This is the truth of the matter. My sin was absolutely crushing. I deserved everything in Isaiah chapter 53. I deserved to be crushed for my iniquities. So did you. 
I deserve the chastisement that was placed upon Christ, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our sins. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I need you to hear this. That even when you were dead in your trespasses, Christ did a redemptive work. He came in at just the right time and saved you by his good grace. That's it. You see, Christ's atoning blood that was shed on Calvary's cross has brought you and I to a place where we're healed from our sinful conditions in God's sight. So when you repent of your sins and you trust the gospel, you're healed from your sinful condition. And because of that, I'm blameless and I have peace with God, because of Christ's work on the cross alone. Listen, I don't, get into, I don't get into heaven because, man, Caleb, you're just a good old boy. There's a lot of good old boys that aren't making it to heaven. There's a lot of bad boys that are going to make it to heaven because they've been, become a forgiven boy. We don't strut into heaven with our thumbs in our lapels and say, God, you're just lucky to have somebody as awesome as I am. That's not us. That's none of us in the room. You say, Caleb, well then, how in the world, because I thought I was a good person, how in the world can I, you've just defined that none of us in the room are good. Yeah, nobody in the room's good, but how, how do I get access to this? How can, I, how can I find forgiveness? How can I get access to this? Jesus told us in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, that the time promised by God has come at last, and he announced the kingdom of God is near repent of your sins and believe the good news the gospel what does repent mean the first thing he says in the text is repent of your sins what does the word repent mean well first john 1 9 gives us a definition he says if you confess your sins if you confess your sins jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your sins that's first john 1 9 that's it Turn away from your sinfulness. So what does that look like? You're, you turn from sin, self, and the world, and you turn towards Christ. And something like this, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry that I've broken your commands. I'm sorry that I have done this evil in your sight. God, I ask that you'd forgive me of my sin. And you know your sin. You don't, listen, I don't know anybody in here. I don't know your sins, and I don't need to. You don't come to me to find forgiveness. There's nothing in a man. I'm not your priest. The great high priest is Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid the price and set us free. Amen? It's not Caleb Gordon. You don't come to me and say, All right, Pastor Caleb here, I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to tell you to stop right there. And that you need to pray to Jesus and ask Christ to forgive you. And you do that by saying, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've broken your commands. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. Lord, forgive me of my sinfulness. And God, I pray that you do a work in me, that you change me from the inside out. You do that. And according to 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. And what's the good news? The good news is this, that the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ that's the gospel because people say well caleb what is the gospel that was one of the first things i asked when i came here so what's the gospel the gospel is the death burial and resurrection of the lord jesus christ for those that would believe 
to find forgiveness and justification so that you could stand in front of a holy God and give an account to that God based upon what Christ has done for you. If I come into my own merit, the scripture says that my good works are as if they're filthy rags. So you doing good things doesn't save you. Now, once you are saved, do you do good things? Absolutely. Why? Because you are saved. Because you are saved. And this is, this is the beauty. The death, burial, and resurrection of, G- of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins for those that were lost. Now, who, how, who's been lost in the room? Every one of us have been lost. Every one of us. There may be a crowd this size, I guarantee you, there's at least one person in here that doesn't really know who Jesus is. How can I say that with confidence? Because I was a pastor's kid sitting in rooms just like this, grew up under biblical teaching, and I was lost until my senior year of high school. I was that guy that I grew up in the church and I thought I knew who Jesus was. I went to camp and I sang the songs, Amazing Grace. I could sing it. The old, the old ladies would be, Oh, Caleb, you have such a sweet voice. Right? They just say, That is so sweet. Man, I could, fool, listen, you could fool everybody in the room, but none of us are fooling God. Nobody in the room is going to fool God because. God knows the intention of your heart. That's how much He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your intention. He knows what you're going to do in the next five seconds. He knows what you're going to do in ten years from now. He knows. Christ knows all things. So the good news is that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's all of us in the room. And the good news is that Christ has come to reconcile and redeem us. Those who, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 10... We're enemies of God. Now listen, every one of us in the room have been an enemy of God at one point. But praise God, Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And and the, the celebration that we have here this morning, the reason this church is in existence, is to proclaim the good news of who Christ is to the world. Look this room, look around the room. Look at all the people that have been affected by that message. You PKs, you know, right? Like that, we've been, we've been affected by that. We were enemies of God, but thank God that he came in to reconcile us to himself, bring us back to himself. The creator of the universe, like think about this, like this is the thing that blows my mind, that the creator of the universe, that the God of the universe, not a God, but the God. Listen, I know that there, that's like, there's a pressure and a push to be like, well, Jesus, God is just Jehovah, Jesus, they're all of, that's one of many. Absolutely not. Christ said exclusively, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except by me. That's an exclusive claim, amen? So we can say all day long, well, what about Muhammad? What about Confucius? What about Allah? They're all false gods made up in the minds of men. Because they don't want to serve the, cre- the, the, crea- the creator, they want to serve the creation. And I'm telling you right now that Jesus, the creator of the universe, that he would come and redeem a creation that committed high treason against him. Like, that's good news, that Jesus would come back and say, I want to buy that sinful creation back and not leave them in their sinful state, but I want to turn them into a new, holy, perfect creation. 
And that, no, golly, isn't that good? Listen, I know we're Baptists, but that should get us a little excited. Amen? Like, that's, that's a beautiful thing to know. That he would come and by his mighty, gracious, sovereign will, save us, redeem us. Remember, remember how I read in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death? You guys remember that one? The text keeps going. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The only way that this happens is if you repent of your sinfulness and ask God to save you. We're called to, to believe in the gospel. Believe in what? Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we, you, will be saved. You see, so many Americans believe in God in their heads. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is so much more than head knowledge. Many say Jesus was a good teacher or a good example, but I'm telling you, Jesus was God, not just was, he is God today. Amen? That's the truth of the matter. James 2.19 says that the demons in hell believe and tremble in God. Are they going to heaven? No. No. There is such a difference between having head knowledge of God and having a heart transformation by the Lord Jesus Christ. When human beings truly have an encounter with the triune God of the universe, there will be a lasting and incredible impact. I've used this illustration before in our church, so those that are members here, just ignore this illustration. But for our guests, I think you'll enjoy this. Let's say I'm out on 166. Well, actually, you know, back this up. Let's say this morning... I rushed in here. You all are sitting here quietly, patiently, waiting for me to get here. And I ran through the door, and I ran up this aisle, and I came up here and just out of breath, and I, <sighs> I apologize that I didn't make it here on time, guys. I'm so sorry. I just got run over by a Mack truck on 166. What would you say if I said that in the pulpit? You'd say, well, Caleb, either you don't know what a Mack truck is, or you're lying. One of the two. Either or, that's a bad thing, right? You don't know what a Mack truck is. Because if I got hit by a Mack truck, I can promise you that's going to have a lasting impact. Nobody? All right. Well, just... just saying. It's true. Here's the problem. Some of you say you've, been in, you've encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, but your life has not truly been impacted. You're not any different than you were pre-Jesus. You say, oh, oh yes, I love the Lord Jesus. Well, what are you doing today to show off that you love the Lord Jesus? Are you committed to him? Well, no, I, I, I wish I had the time, but I just don't have the time. Are you committed to any local church? Well, not really, but if, you know, they, 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 they demand too much of my Sundays. I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to come to the earth and die to redeem us. Why in the world? Why in the world would we not say, Jesus, because you've done these things, by your grace, I'm going I'm to go hard and follow you till the day I die. Till the day I die. Jesus... If you truly understand him and you truly in, in pack, in, encounter the God of the Bible, the Lord Jesus of the Bible, your life will look different. Amen? Yeah. 
your life will look different. If you are not following the Lord Jesus Christ, but you, you say you're a Christian, stop it. Because you're not. You're not. How can I say that with authority? Because God's word says those that have been impacted by him will look different. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. There's a difference between having the head knowledge. And I know we're getting ready to bounce into the holiday season. Everybody loves baby Jesus because it's baby Jesus. But man, we don't, we don't like to think about King Jesus, the authoritative Jesus that says, hey, listen, I, I demand your worship. I demand your following. I demand you, you follow me. Read the Bible. Jesus is very clear. He's not a, well, he's not a take it or leave it guy. He's like, well, you don't have to if you don't want to. You're either, like, there's coming a day, listen, there is coming a day where you will bow your knee to him and you will say, Jesus is Lord. There is coming a day when that will happen. Now, I'd much rather be that day when that day comes that I've already repented, I've already trusted, I've already followed Jesus, and I'm, not, I'm happily excited about doing that. Because there's going to be a day when those that are lost in their sins will be forcibly moved to their knees and forcibly made to say, Jesus is Lord. Even Satan himself will have to do that. Now, you see, I'd much rather be on the other side of that, Amen. I'd much rather be on the other side of that. My hope is that today, if you're, if you're here and the Holy Spirit has stirred you up, you say, Caleb, I came for a birthday party. I can't think of a better way to celebrate by you, other than you saying, Lord, I submit my heart to you. I submit my life to you. God, I want to I trust in you. I want to repent of my sins. I want to know you. I want to I follow you. I can't think of a better birthday celebration than you getting saved. Amen. You having your heart transformed by the God of the universe. So today, my hope is that if you're here and the Holy Spirit has stirred your heart, that you would come find me after the service. Come find me. We're going to be eating lunch, eating some good cake, having a good time. Come find me and say, Pastor, I'd like to know who Jesus is, really. I've been playing religious games for decades. God... I, I, I just want to know who God is, really. Can, can you share with me who he is from the Bible? Man, I'd be elated to do that. And I can promise you there are people in this room who would be willing, ready, and able to do that exact same thing. They're, some of them are just itching. Amen? Got a couple of you started going, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, all you got to do is give me the word, Caleb. Give me the word, just say it. That's all. I know you're ready excited, right? Come find me. Like, I want you to understand something. We live in a, in, a, in a great cloud of witnesses. We've got men and women that have gone on before us that, are, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, are cheering us on. They, they, they completed the race faithfully. Some of them conquered with swords and conquered the, the enemy. And others were cut in two. It doesn't matter, though, because all of them got Jesus in the end, and Jesus was more than enough. And according to Hebrews chapter 12, we've got the faithful, we've got the faithful beautiful uh, picture of, of the, those that have gone on before us. Listen, because of all, Hebrews chapter 11 is the Heroes Hall of Fame. Hebrews chapter 12 says, because they faithfully executed their duties according to what God wanted them to do, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off every weight of sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus as the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated on the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us, according to Romans chapter 8. Now, what is this? This is like the idea of throwing off sin, getting rid of sin. I want, I want to help you guys understand this. My last illustration as we get ready to, to, to depart this morning. I want you to understand this. This season that we're in right now, October to December, just like one of my favorite seasons. Anybody else's love? Fall? Love, love, the, love the autumn? One of the things that takes place pre the freeze, before, and now we've frozen, so we don't have to worry much about this, but... The first part of October, on the sides of your house, there are um, these just insane spiders that make these gigantic, ridiculous webs. Anybody seen those? Anybody seen those? It's crazy, right? We had a neighbor that used to live next to us. Her name was Leash, and her, um, her husband was just an interesting character, but she was too. But she was, one day, she just, she was walking between our two houses. I was sitting, I'd back my car, and I was sitting, waiting on my wife. It's my normal, I was waiting on my wife. So I'm sitting in the car waiting, and I see Leash. She's walking between our two houses, and she looks like a normal human being. As she's walking by herself through the, through the house, all, through the sides of our house there. And all of a sudden, she, her demeanor changes. She went from a normal, natural lady walking through the sides of a house to all of a sudden she started screaming uncontrollably, just making all kinds of racket. And she's taking her shirt and just moving her shirt and her jacket, throwing off everything that she had, just screaming. And I started giggling. You know why? Because I said, she hit a spider. Anybody else in the room ever walk through a spider web? What immediately is your thought process? There's a spider, not a word, right? Right? There's a spider! It's somewhere on me! And of course he's going right from my neck and just going to go right into the jugular vein, right? That's where he's going. He's going to attach and just attach right there, right? And so immediately she's screaming. She's all, listen, she wasn't going, I wonder what Caleb thinks of me. I wonder if Caleb thinks I'm crazy. I wonder if Caleb thinks I'm all here. Her mindset, she didn't care who saw her. She didn't care what she was going through. All she knew is she had to get away from that spider. This is the idea in Hebrews chapter 12. Throw off every weight of sin. Some of us are walking through life and we're hitting the cobwebs of sin and we're ignoring that the spider is genuinely on us and he's going to bite us and he's going to kill us. He's going to bite us and he's going to kill us. And I promise you, if you ignore sin, sin will kill you. And that's what some of us are doing. You're just walking through life. You that spider web hits you. You're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't have to worry about anything. Eternity is not that long. Jesus didn't really mean the things he said in there. He didn't really mean that I needed to repent of my sins and ask him to forgive me. He didn't mean that. That's just some dusty old book, Caleb. You're silly. I can promise you, on the day of judgment, you will stand alone, and there will be, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he says you're going to go through your life. And the question isn't going to be, what's your bank account look like? What kind of house did you have? 
What kind of car did you drive? What kind of social status did you have? None of those questions are going to be asked. The question going to be asked is, what did you do with Jesus? Well, I ignored him. I ignored him because I had other things to do. I was busy. And the cobwebs are engulfed around some of you and you don't know it. My plea this morning as the pastor of this church is that you would repent of your sins and that you would throw off, get rid of the... Get rid of it. Throw it off. Get rid of it. And say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. The scripture says to look to Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith. So we come to him humbly and we bow before him and we say things like this. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry that I've broken your commands. Forgive me that I have lied, that I've stolen, that I've cheated, that I've been a murderer at heart, that I've committed adultery. Forgive me, Father. And guess what? That's, that's, and things are, hey, that seems really simple. Yeah, Jesus made it really simple. We as human beings complicate the thunder out of it. Don't we? Jesus made it simple. Trust, what's that old hymn? Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Come on. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so my, my hope this morning is that you would, before you leave this building, that you'd trust Christ, that you'd be born again, that you'd be washed in his blood, and that he would be whiter than snow. That's my first request. Number, the, second two is, the second request is that you take a picture on the steps with us. Quickly. It's cold. But here's how I want to end our service this morning. Grab your hymn. We're going we're gonna to sing one final song this morning. Go to page 360. It's called Wonderful Grace of Jesus. You guys stand with us.